Welcome back for another episode of the Big Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the world's leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code THEBIGO20 at checkout to get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. I am joined today by former Toronto Blue Jays field reporter, host of the Out of the, Bo- of the Park podcast, and proud member of not just one, not just two, but two and a half legendary tribute bands, Barry Davis. Barry, how are you doing today? And, and you forgot the proud owner of the Manscaped 2.0. Oh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. A fellow manscapian. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Listen, you, you do what you got to do. But how uh, how are you doing today? How uh, how are things going? Things are great, man. I mean, you know, slowly the world is starting to get back to normal and uh, live music's a thing again. So I've been busy preparing for shows of the three different bands that you mentioned. Uh, I'll plug them all. We Ain't Petty, a tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Driven, a uh, tribute to the Cars, and Nowhere Men, which is our duo tribute to the Beatles, which is timely because of the documentary that's out right now. There you go. Now, I have been corrected many times before, so that hopefully now that you're here, you can help you know set me straight. What is the difference between a cover band and a tribute band? So a cover band will do a number of different songs from a certain genre. Uh, or they and and they don't really necessarily have to do them like they are on the record. They just play the songs. When you're a tribute band, you're literally performing as that person. So when I'm on stage with We Ain't Petty, I'm Tom Petty, and we try to perform the songs as close to the way they are on the record as possible. So that's the difference between a tribute band and a and a cover band. Awesome. All right, that's pretty cool. I didn't know. I've often heard the terms, never knew if they were interchangeable. I had been corrected before, but at least now I have an understanding of the difference between the two. Now, I want to stay with music because obviously uh, you are a music fan, and we'll get to the baseball stuff in just a little bit. But back in November, Billboard released their greatest of all time top 100 artists. Mm-hmm. For those at home who may not have seen the list, here are the top 10, starting with number one, The Beatles, Madonna, Elton John, Elvis Presley, Mariah Carey, Stevie Wonder, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, and Rihanna. When you see this list and you hear these names as the greatest of all time hot 100 artists, what are the initial thoughts that come to your mind? Well, they got number one, right? Uh, that's for sure (laughs) madonna at number two really surprises me i mean i love madonna but maybe in the top 10 i'm blown away that janet jackson finished above michael jackson right right but they pretty much got it right i mean for the most part again these are all subjective lists and i always have so much fun debating these lists because you know are you talking you know specifically the best artists as far as Records sold as far as talent, as far as songwriting ability, as far as ability to sing. There are so many things that you can say. It's like when somebody says, who's the best vocalist of all time? Well, there are people that may technically have better voices than Freddie Mercury, but Freddie Mercury is always, always going to win because he's he's that performer, right? So though these lists are amazing. I love them. I always disagree with them. And uh, I disagree with a lot of what it was on the Billboard one again. Everybody, and that's the beauty of music, right? Because it's so subjective. 
and what turns me on musically may just make you want to throw up, but that's cool because you've got what you like. I've got what I like. And it's almost like being a fan of a sports team. Although there's as not as much debate or fighting going on with music fans. Now it's interesting because when, when we have greatest of all time discussions <clears throat> in sports, which is very common, it seems like every conversation yeah. starts or ends with that conversation. It's very, you know, one or two people that you could sort of interchange. You know, football, people are going to argue Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Jerry Rice, to name a few. Uh, in, in basketball, obviously, the number one debate is LeBron James, Michael Jordan. In baseball, it gets kind of weird because depending on the generation will sway your answer. But I feel like in music, it is probably as wide open because, as you mentioned, it's so opinion-based. It's so based on what you feel, what you experience in the music. And when you see like Billboard, Rolling Stones, um, other major music magazines and companies come out with their lists, it obviously changes between the two. If you had to go your Barry Davis top five music artist or group, what would that list look like? Damn. Oh, okay. So the Beatles definitely number one. Sure. I'd probably have I'd probably have Bowie at number two. Ooh. Yeah, big Bowie fan. Uh I put Elton John in the top five. Uh I'd have to say, oh man. Oh Prince. Okay. Prince has got to be right up there for sure. Uh Stevie Wonder's got to be right up there. And that's four I've given you so far. I got I got to stick with my man Tom Petty. Okay. There you go. I like that. I listen, all right, we're going to keep on this musical role and now I want to play a word association game with you. I'll give you an Let's artist and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Doesn't matter what it is, first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. Justin Bieber. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, no, the first thing that comes to my mind, Justin Bieber, is gone from a, a, a snotty-nosed brat kid to a pretty intelligent and uh, very good musician. All right. Journey. Journey. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just going to say this. Grade nine. <laughs> the Bare Naked Ladies. Man. The Bare Naked Ladies. I think of this independent group would play out on the sidewalk in downtown Toronto and get discovered and become huge. Uh, so much time for the bare naked lady. The Foo Fighters. Oh, baby. <laughs> they they are the current kings of rock and roll. They're they're rock alive. Prince. Legendary, and underrated as a guitarist. Aerosmith. Cocaine. <laughs> uh, Rush. <sighs> Canada's proudest band. I mean, to me, that's that's what Canadian music's all about, man. Rush. Drake. Drake. <laughs> Next Raptors head coach. <laughs> and taking us home, last but not least, Tom Petty. Died too soon. 
Now, you had some interesting things to say, uh, starting with yeah. the Biebs, number one. And I totally agree with you. We've seen the arc of Justin Bieber. We've seen this child. I, I want to hate him. I, I really want to hate the guy. It's, it's hard it's, to it's now. It's getting harder. It's harder and harder to hate the kid. Yeah, I mean, getting discovered on YouTube, obviously this internet sensation at the very boom of the internet sensations. And then as you say, you know, Snotty Nose a little bit, starts making music with Usher, starts, you know, getting that big swollen head, makes some very poor decisions. But then as we get to the last five years, maybe, he settles down, has a wife. He's making different kind of music. He's really starting to open up about some of the struggles that he's had. And he's now become one of the most relatable people as far as can make mistakes, doing their best to try to make better decisions, and is now starting to fade from that, you know, boy making terrible decisions to, man, this is like the overall everyday guy as far as, you know, he's just like us, makes mistakes trying to redeem himself. I mean, he just had a bunch of merchandise and, and stuff named after him for Tim Hortons for the next, you know, month or so. You know, the Beebs is doing pretty well. And the Beebs hasn't forgotten he's Canadian. And I give him credit for that, right? I mean, you know, two of the biggest names from Canada uh, are really, you know, making it public knowledge that they are proud to be Canadian. Beebs is one, and Ryan Reynolds is the one that stands out yes. most for me. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is definitely unapologetically Canadian. Hilarious. We've got some good representatives in a time where it wasn't so sexy to be Canadian. It was kind of yeah. like the, the secret you kept to yourself because once you said you were Canadian, it didn't necessarily, you know, have people, you know, feeling good about themselves. But I feel like, yeah, you're right. Ryan Reynolds, Justin Bieber. I mean, you could you could say Drake because as the Toronto Raptors ambassador. Yeah, totally. He's yeah. he's repping Toronto and and getting guys in the NBA and musicians to buy into coming to Toronto as a staple for music yeah. festivals for nightlife. So I mean, they're probably the greatest ambassadors Canada has ever seen. Yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. I mean, as big as Shania Twain was in the states, <laughs> she wasn't making people, uh, you know, stand up and say, "Wow, Canadians are awesome," you know. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think as a Canadian, we all have this inferiority complex, right? And we're always so shocked when somebody that's Canadian makes it big. And I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, comedians and you think of the, the number of great Canadians, you know, John Candy comes to mind first yep. and foremost, right? And, you know, but it's funny because I have, I have a lot of relatives in the States and when I'd go there, I would always, I'd play Canadian music or show, you know, movies with Canadians and said, do you know do you know where they're from? And they nine times out of ten had no idea they're Canadian. Yeah, I mean, Canadians take over hockey. That's the the given. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody yeah. expects. But I mean, when you start to look at you know the Grammys and the Oscars, we're starting to see a lot more Canadian content come out there and 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 represent Canada as a whole. And I mean, the big joke. Um, not getting into COVID, but at the onslaught of COVID, people were like, we're going to leave the United States and move up to Canada. That was like the big joke that Hollywood was talking about. Mm -hmm. Didn't, didn't happen. And we're probably thankful for that. But, you know, Canada is definitely uh, holding its own and changing the minds of people as far as what they used to think about the great white North. Now, speaking of the great white North, you know, hockey is dominated, as I mentioned, but baseball 
it's mm-hmm. getting it's getting sexy again. It is becoming a time where, and I, you're no stranger to this, 2015, 2016, two of the greatest playoff runs for the Toronto Blue Jays. It is, yeah. Still, re- I still have these. <laughs> now, Barry Davis got to and celebrate they, with champagne. They and, still smell like champagne after all these years. Now, for our listeners, he pulled out the old, uh, the old snowboard goggles that he got to celebrate with the Toronto Blue Jays during their great and energetic postseason run. You know, first take us through those two seasons because it really is a buildup as much as, you know, there are some trades that took the blue Jays over the top. It was building a culture with that team and they finally sort of reached the pinnacle at that time. What was it like during those two seasons covering the blue Jays as the field reporter? I think before we even look at 15 and 16, I think we need to look at 2015. And that was the year that made all those huge moves, right? Ari Dickey and Mark Burley and uh, Jose Reyes and, this was supposed to be the team that was going to win the World Series, and they absolutely tanked. And we knew the team was better than what they played. And 2014, we were weren't sure. Maybe, maybe they're not that great. You know, they they made a decent run, but they weren't great. 2015 was a year that I thought, you know, okay, now they got Josh Donaldson in the lineup, and people are starting to talk about these guys. But they really disappointed. And at the end of July. They were a 500 team, and they were, I think, eight and a half games out of first place. And everyone thought that they're done, right? Uh, Everyone wanted Alex fired. And then all of a sudden, you approach the trade deadline, and they start making moves. And with each move came that excitement. But I think I remember thinking a lot, man, you look at how far back they are right now. They will have to go this and this the rest of the way if they want to even stand a chance. And that's why whenever people say that, you know, in, in July or August, well, I'm to get in the race. They're going to have just win baseball. And that's what they do. And I remember, you know, even as deep into the season as early July, and the Roger was just, it was dead. I mean, there were people, but it was dead. And then all of a sudden, the moves are made. And I really look at that game against Kansas City. It was when David Price made his debut at Rogers Center. And there was the big fight that happened. Uh, Aaron Sanchez got chucked out of the game. And this team just galvanized from that moment on. And all of a sudden, the fans started coming back. And, you know, September hits. And the place was just so, so electric. And, uh, you know, the, the Hooked on a Feeling song, which I used to like in the 70s when it came out and I got sick of. But now I miss it. And now I think, wouldn't it be great to be able to hear that again going into the eighth inning? Because it reminds me of those two seasons. And then again, 2016, you know, there were changes, but you knew this team still had another run in it. And the thinking was, could they do it again? Could they make it to the postseason again? And sure enough, they do. And this one was not as intense as the year before. Uh, I actually think the 2015 team had a better shot of making it to the World Series than the 2016 team. And you think about that that last game in Kansas city when they were eliminated and they had a rally going, they had Dalton Pompey on third with nobody out. Yeah. They represented the tying run and they got screwed over on a Ben Revere strikeout. And there was a pop-up by Donaldson and, uh, and you know, that was it. It just gone quietly. And now, you know, you can say they had a postseason game because of that expanded playoff format and the, you know, but really they haven't been in the postseason since then. And, 
this could be the year. I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping. And I know people are really pissed off about, you know, Ray and Semyon leaving. But I think most of us knew they these guys would be leaving. And But this is why I, I really respect what Atkins and Shapiro have done because they built their system where now these players that they brought in who were only brought in as place cards anyway, mm-hmm. you know, they're gone and it's not like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Because you've got young kids. You've got a guy like Jordan Groshens who's ready to make the move up, whether they use him or they use him as a trade bait. But they've got players that can play and they've got players they can use as chips. So they're in a really good position right now. And I, I like the signing of Gossman. I think that's going to be a great addition to their starting rotation. Play ball! Hey, fellas. Join the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming in leaving 2021 behind and entering 2022 with a clear mind and clean balls. 2022 is here, and the last thing you want to be is the guy with pubes getting in your way of making this year the best one yet. 2021 sucked, and that's why Manscaped are here making a splash and upping your grooming game. Their Performance Package 4.0 is headlined by their signature lawnmower 4.0, and it's here to take down every pube in its path. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's even waterproof. Now this tool is amazing and I'm confident using the 4.0 to leave 2021 and my gross pubes with it. Also included is the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer to whack every hair up top and feel good while doing it. Also included is the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. This hygiene bundle will come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package for your perfect package and going into 2022 i'm confident about smelling like a million bucks you may be asking how and i'm happy you did i use the manscaped refined cologne with the same signature scent that's in all of the manscaped formulas a great compliment to your collection now use the code the big o20 for 20 percent off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com I'm in all confidence and smelling good this year. Join me with Manscaped by going to manscaped.com using the code thebigo 20 Get 20% off your purchase f- plus free shipping. Again, happy new year's to your balls. Link will be down below in the description. You'll thank me later. Strike three, you're out. I mean, he's familiar with the AL East pitching for Baltimore, so, I mean, he has that going for him. I always was worried about Barrios. I love him on my fantasy team. Has I've had him since he broke through into the majors. I always was kind of nervous about what the transition from a very weak division to the AL East was going to be like for him. But, I mean, he showed great signs of that ace pitcher. And if the Blue Jays can have him, they can have Gossman. If they can – they have Ryu. If they can go ahead and – you know, move Pearson to the bullpen potentially because he was electric down the stretch. He was great in the bullpen. I mean, the, this Blue Jays team is very scary. 
I'm I've yeah. for those who are watching, I'm wearing a Red Sox hat. I'm a I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, but damn, the team I did not want to play when that whole playoff thing shook out with the different scenarios with the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, I did not want to come anywhere near the Toronto Blue Jays because I mm-hmm. felt that if they had an opportunity, they were young enough, they were good enough that they were just going to wreak havoc and screw up somebody's postseason run. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for the Blue Jays last year. Going into this season, or at least you know the next season, we'll call it, because who knows when, when baseball will start back. The Toronto Blue Jays, I believe the last time I looked on a sports book that I use, are the third favored team to win the World Series. When was the last wow. time a sports book or a U.S. market respected a Canadian team like the Toronto Blue Jays as much as we're seeing right now. Only the Dodgers and the Houston Astros have better odds of winning the World Series than the Toronto Blue Jays. I will bring you back again to 2013. And Las Vegas had the Jays as the odds-on favorites to win the World Series. Didn't work out very well. No. (laughs) Those, those odds quickly changed once the season began. And I do remember that. I yep. do remember a time when they made all of those deals and tickets were flying off the shelves. Mm-hmm. The Jays were packing the Rogers Center. And then that distrust came. When everything fell apart, you didn't see the Rogers Center get packed again until that August run of 2015 mm-hmm. when yep. you couldn't buy a nosebleed seat standing room only for like 200 bucks. It was crazy. And it wasn't just Toronto. It was the whole country. They galvanized around that Toronto Blue Jays team the way the 2019 Toronto Raptors were galvanized by all of Canada. From Newfoundland to Vancouver, everyone was cheering for that Canadian team. And that's what it was like with this Toronto Blue Jay team. And that's what it's starting to feel like again. Baseball is fun. Vladdy, Bichette, Biggio... Obviously, Semyon was killing it last year as well. Teoscar. Teoscar. Guriel. Guriel. Alejandro Kirk. All young. And all young. And all not even close to of hitting their potential. Yeah. Can you just imagine all these kids who have been playing with each other since the minors come up and all of a sudden just they all have their explosion seasons at the same time. No one's stopping this team. No one, and, and again, you know, people look at Shapiro and Atkins or look at Alex and say, you know, they did this and they did that. But from 1992 until Shapiro and Atkins came around, the Blue Jays organization wanted to put a competitive team on the field every year. And they would make little band aid moves, you know, uh, we'll bring BJ Ryan in or, you know, we'll AJ Burnett or whatever. And it was enough to keep them competitive, but they didn't make enough moves for them because what you had to do, you had to strip down Mm -hmm. and then build it. And they didn't want to strip down. So they would just add a piece here and there and it made them good, but it never made them good enough to make the postseason. Shapiro and Atkins come in and say, you know what? Let's get rid of everything. And really they've cleaned the deck. I don't think there's anyone left in the 2015 or 16 teams now. Yeah, the, the Blue Jays always had that problem where they have starting pitching or incredible bats, and they could never put it together in the same season. It just it was never going to happen. And then all of a sudden, this year, 
where you have a Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray. You have two guys nominated for AL MVP in Semyon and Vladdy. Not to mention that from one to nine in that batting order, you were not getting a free out from seven through nine. They were turning that lineup over and the Blue Jays were putting up big runs when they were going hard. And so when we think about, as you mentioned, the core of these young guys going up together, you know, Bichette has made the move. Vladdy struggled in year one and then reminded everybody why he was such a talent because a lot of people started to write him off. A lot of people said, oh, he was hitting 350 in AAA, in single A, double A. How is that going to manage when he gets to the big leagues? And when he didn't exactly have those numbers, people were very quick to to write him off. And then this season. And wait, yeah. And in 2022 is, to me, is the year of Kevin Biggio. I think he's a really smart ball player. And you can't deny the pedigree he has, okay? He grew up in the game. But when I watch him play, I don't see, you know, a hack. I don't see a utility guy. I don't see a John McDonald. I see a guy who could be a regular everyday player and hit close to 300. And when he's connecting the right way, I mean, you see him going opposite all the time and and driving the ball. And that's the kind of hitter he needs to be. And he just needs to get a better eye at the plate, better discipline and know what pitches he's supposed to swing at. And that comes with maturity. You know, I think he he's going to be a late bloomer and he's going to really show that he belongs. And the best thing for Kevin Biggio is the fact that the guys that he came up with are ascending the way that they are because he yeah. doesn't have that same pressure. He can learn and stay behind the Guriels and the, the, yep. the Oscars. He doesn't have to step right into that role. And so he can develop, he can take his time and he can get there. And when they need him, I am certain he will be able to answer the bell. Now, obviously, we talked about the departure of Robbie Ray um, and Mark Semyon and bringing in Gossman. And we now know that as of uh, you know time of recording, it's been a couple days since the lockout. What do you think the Blue Jays are going to do? One, with so much uncertainty of when a postseason or when a regular season will begin, the first time we've had a work stoppage since 94, first lockout since 1990. A lot of people in the industry have said baseball has not recovered since the 94 lockout. What strike? You, strike 94 sorry. was a strike. I meant to say work stoppage, 94 work yes. stoppage. You know, you know what? And that's the best way to put it because both sides are to blame every time, whether it's a lockout or a strike, both sides are to blame. Listen, I have been talking to people in the game, uh, agents and such, uh, for the last few years, and they have all been preparing for this because there was no doubt in their minds that there was going to be a strike or a lockout. And there is some big concerns about this season. And, you know, and it really sucked because we just had to endure, you know, partial seasons and such because of COVID. Yep. And, you know, again, Whenever there's a stoppage, whether it's because of a lockout strike or what we saw, people find other things to fill their time. And baseball comes back and maybe some people aren't as interested. So I tell you what, the worst possible thing that could happen to Major League Baseball is to have another work stoppage and not be able to see a season. Uh, If that happens in this day and age 
with the number of things that there are to do to fill our time, uh, it, it, it could be, it could be the, a major decline for baseball. I'll give you an unlikely pastime that will take over from baseball if it goes too long, and that is soccer. Soccer in this country is mm-hmm. starting to ascend. And right now with the men's national team leading CONCACAF with a great chance to qualify for not only the 2022 World Cup, but also when they host or try host in 2026, the game of soccer on a, on a national level is starting to ascend. And if there's no baseball and there's no basketball and there's no hockey, there's only going to be one thing to really pay attention to come summertime. And that's going to be soccer. And it's unlikely, and it's going to probably take a lot to get there. And baseball could probably step back in. But baseball really can't afford when they have games that are running almost four hours, when their attendance in certain markets are not you know, doing well. They've got good television deals. But since 94, the game of baseball hasn't really recovered mainly because they also don't have a much younger audience. Like a lot of those guys who are still watching baseball are still of an older generation from that 94 time. What does baseball need to do in order to get that young demographic to buy in to baseball again? It's, it's a really interesting question. And, you know, I, I assume I have a few years on you and I've been able to watch (laughs) baseball since the seventies. <clears throat> so, but I'm going to get since the seventies. I remember, you know, how baseball was in Toronto and every time it was a work stop, there'd be a little bit of a letdown, but I know it happened all around baseball, but especially here in the country, because in the two and 93 days, win the world series, both those years. Okay. In 94, it looks like the expos, are going to win the World Series. Yep. All that gets shut down. And for our country, baseball just became like, screw you, <laughs> you know? And and it took a long time to recover from that 94. To, and what brought young fans back, and, and where I'm going to kind of answer your question is, uh, when I was, you know, probably your age, young kids didn't go to baseball games anymore. It was, it was uh, just a very old demographic. Uh, even, you know, they were on a radio station that played oldies music, right? <laughs> so it was, it was a very old demographic. When they start winning, then that brings outside people into the game. And then those young people, you know, maybe in their early teens, be, you know, oh, it's exciting. They're in the playoffs. They grew up becoming big baseball fans. But if the team doesn't win again for another 20 years, you got to start that whole process over again. Yep. So I, I think, you know, from a Blue Jays perspective, the team winning is definitely going to help bringing in a younger audience. And I think that has to do with pretty much any team right now. Uh, I don't know if Major League Baseball can do all the flash and dash that the NBA does. I mean, there's no league that markets itself better than the NBA. And the demographic is is unbelievably huge because older people like it but the kids love it as well yeah and and the merchandise that you get from the nba it, it's unbelievable uh baseball's been pretty good at it but not as good as what you see uh, in the nba the nhl they suck at that completely, by the way 
I mean, the NBA, the other thing the NBA has done really well, and I would say is either on par or getting ready to pass the NFL is with fantasy sports. Fantasy mm-hmm. sports is a huge key to getting that younger de- demographic to jump back in. And with sports betting in today's age, there's so many different ways to engage in these sports. And baseball, I'm part of a very uh, successful and serious fantasy baseball league. But to the average Joe, when I talk to them about, oh, you know, I have this guy, this guy, this guy, these are the categories. I went in there looking at me like I got a third eye in the middle of my forehead. Whereas if you say, oh, man, LeBron James had 25, 5, and 5, everybody knows exactly what that mm-hmm. means. And as as you said, great marketing. The NFL, also solid marketing. NHL, way far behind. Um, but I think, I think baseball has an opportunity. I think baseball with Shohei Otani, with Fernando Tatis Jr., with Vladdy. Soto, Vladdy, Ronald Acuna Jr., they are in this golden yeah. age of talent under, I mean, outside of Otani, under 23 years old that can really carry the next generation of superstar. And talk and multicultural as well. Yes. I mean, we got people from all different countries as 100%. well that reach out to, to so many different demographics. And uh, yeah, and, and this is where Major League Baseball has to take advantage of this. And they have to really, really push. Everyone needs to know their faces, right? Listen, my wife is not even close to being a sports fan, but <laughs> she knows who Michael Jordan is. She knows who Shaquille O'Neal is, Kobe Bryant, like uh, LeBron James. She knows the names, and she right. would know what they look like if she saw them on TV. But if I asked her to tell me who the you know the best hockey player is in the NHL right now, or the best baseball, not a clue, right. not a clue, right? Yeah. So. I, I don't know if you can compete with the NBA. I mean, the other thing is, you know, they're not wearing hats. They're not wearing helmets. Yep. People can see their faces. Uh, the game's very close. You know, fans can get closer to the action. TV is really close. You can, So you have the opportunity to see them. Um, I'd like to see more personality in the game. I mean, there were times, I mean, the 70s was the best for personality in the game. And, and that draws fans too and whether it would be you know uh the orioles manager earl weaver going out and fighting with umpires and <laughs> picking up home plate and billy martin doing his thing uh they had umpires that were you know entertaining as well it was a guy named ron luciano and had all these crazy different calls and stuff like that and it's entertaining and people would want to watch the game to see this trumpet. go figure right they definitely wait to, to mark the game, draw in the crowd. Uh, that's what they pay them the bucks for. But first has to happen is that there has to be uh, a way to not have a, a locked out and, and have the game, you know, not start when it's supposed to start. Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely tough. Uh, there's definitely a road where no baseball gets affected, but that time is quickly going to go. And before we know it, spring training is supposed to start. Before we know it, the Major League Baseball will begin. And it does not seem like they are very close together as far as what each side wants. Some main points, expanded playoffs is a big thing that the league is pushing for. Players pushing for uh, earlier arbitration, 
service time. Um, they're also looking at uh, the universal DH. Like these are some of the hot button issues for for people who are not deep into the baseball world. In your mind, in a perfect world, what do you think gets agreed upon? And what do we see in the next iteration of a Major League Baseball season? So as far as you know, any potential rule changes go, uh, I, I, I like the Universal DH. I think it's a great idea. I think that they have got to uh, get rid of the runner on second for extra innings. I'm not a fan of that at all, but... To just my opinions, right? Um, but I think that the players and owners are going to have those are not going to be the issue. At the end of the day, rule changes and such—that's not what's going to put the two sides together. It's all about the pie, man. It's about how to divide this huge pie of money, and the owners want this much, but no, the players want this much. So that's what every CBA is about. It's about how they're going to split that money. And my God, it, it sounds so bloody selfish when you think of these billionaires fighting the millionaires, right? I mean, in the opening days of free agency, I think there was $1.9 billion spent in just a handful of players, which is... And they, and then they it, plead that they're broke, right? Insane. Absolutely insane. But that's not really what the players are arguing. The players are are actually using that as the example of yes the stars are always going to get paid but it's the it's the other guys it's the other 99% of guys who have a later start time from when they're going to be joining the majors i think the average age now is like just upwards of 25 and like a few months down from when it used to be like 24 years even a few contracts ago and so they're talking about the everyday player and not the Ronald Acuna's and the Fernando Tatis's and the and the Max Scherzer's of the world. I completely agree with you. Get rid of the runner on second. I understand why they wanted to do it, but it just it is a terrible terrible rule. Universal DH, great. I'd also like to see the doubleheader 7 inning stay. I like that. Maybe that's yeah, just a fantasy yeah. baseball guy in me, but I very much love that. Uh, I I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Uh, I'd like to, and if they're going to do that, yeah, have some scheduled doubleheaders. Exactly. Schedule it. Right. I'd, I'd like to see the expanded playoffs. Not to the yeah. extent that maybe Major League Baseball is looking at. I think it's 14 teams. The, the players came back at like 12 or something. I would love to see it. I'd also like to see division realignment. That's not a sexy thing, but I think that could be interesting. I definitely think from a Blue Jays perspective, that might be nice from a Red Sox fan perspective. Give me the Yankees, but I'd rather not see the Blue Jays in my division in the future, especially over the next yeah. five to ten years. Um, I think the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays and Tigers should always be in the same division. I mean, I want that's that's your closest rivalry, right? Yeah. Uh, and Cleveland should be in there as well, right? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I'd like to see it change a little bit and have. Uh, have the divisions realigned. I always wonder sometimes about having the leagues be realigned. And I don't remember the last time I think a team flipped was the Milwaukee Brewers going from the American League to the National League. Well, the Houston Astros, right? Houston Astros. Oh, the Astros. Yes, of course. The, the Astros League. did as well. Yeah. So, it's so weird, right? <laughs> you wonder why that doesn't happen more often. I think that would be fun, right? Just put all the teams into a hat 
and boom, 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 boom. There you go. You're the American. You're the national. And and realistically, if you go with the universal DH, that is building the blueprint for you to be able to do that. Sure. Obviously, yeah. you keep your West Coast and your Central team sort of together, but I mean, you can really build a solid realignment with some great teams. Well, let me keep- ask you this. Let me ask you, as a soccer fan, okay, how would you feel about having a Division One and Division Two? Oh, um, and, and you know what? You I mean if you if you don't finish to a certain point, you get relegated. Next year, you're in the lower division. Uh, be kind of neat, wouldn't it? You want to bring you want to bring in more fans. I I think yes. I think you might. Very. So what what you would do is you would avoid tanking, right? Like that that would be the number one thing. Like the the yeah. Baltimore Orioles wouldn't be able to tank anymore and get you know first overall picks, and the Washington Nationals wouldn't be able to do that because you'd be going down. But if the national the Washington Nationals had that happen, no Strasburg, no Bryce Harper, no World Series champion. Mm-hmm. So. I, I get it. I also feel that with like the minor league levels, how is that going to work out? Because I feel like that's a little bit challenging. In soccer, they have academies, so you can go. I just don't know if the game is loved enough, and I think that's what it comes down to. In in England, for instance, we use the English Premier League. Soccer is gold. Whether you are in the EPL, whether you're in the English Championship, whether you're in the third tier. They still have fans coming to their games and hoping yeah. that they can make it up. In baseball, oh, footy, they their footy out there. They do. I just don't know if you have that love for baseball the same way that if a team loses and gets relegated, that they're going to have people go to the games, have people watch the games. And if you don't have those, but things, think about this: <laughs> nobody's going to those teams' games anyways because they're so bad. And yet they're still generating right? enough revenue but, to stay but afloat. Here's the thing: if 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 Say you're a terrible team, you're a fan of your terrible team, and they get relegated. Now, all of a sudden, they've got a chance again because in their league, they're playing other terrible teams. Yeah, right. And you now all of a sudden, your your bad team has a chance to make it to the World Series. I I see the logic, and being a fan of Ted Lasso, the way that I am, I I love <laughs> I love the relegation to back and. It would be interesting. I would never want my team to be relegated, to be very honest. However, no, there are always going to be diehard baseball fans and, and fans of the sport. It's a very interesting thing. However, I think the NBA might look at something like that sooner than Major League Baseball. And I only say that because oh, yeah. Adam Silver is a big fan of the way soccer is marketed. In-game turn- or in-season tournaments, relegation. like These are all things Adam Silver has in the back of his mind. I don't know if Rob Manfred has that. I think Manfred yeah. is uh, is stacking away money for a cold winter um, because I, I don't know for baseball. Yeah, maybe he might be a good commissioner, but I don't think he's a fan favorite. And Roger Goodell used to be public enemy number one as far as commissioners go. I feel Manfred might be at the top of that list now. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I was just thinking of uh, why that idea I had probably wouldn't work. Okay, and uh, I totally forgot what it was, <laughs> but it will come back to me. It's, it's it, a, it just won't. It's an interesting concept, one hundred percent. And oh, it's not- oh I, 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 it's come back to me now. Okay, and 
it's because baseball uh, teams don't stay down at the bottom very long in baseball. This right? is true. I mean, like you know, as a Red Sox fan, hey, World Series, last place. World Series, <laughs> last place. Right. So, there, I don't think there's any reason for relegation because. All, these teams are not bad year after year after year. Unless right? you're the Baltimore so, Orioles. Well, yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, you're you're always going to have I your almost exceptions. feel sorry for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a bright future. Grayson uh, Rodriguez, uh, Adley Rushman, like they've got some guys who can ball. Uh, it's just a matter of when we're going to get to see them. And is there going to be enough other talent around them for them to have success? Because we might end up seeing them have success on another team. I mean, if you look at Clint Frazier from the from the New York Yankees, he was a prized possession in that farm system. And he just recently signed with, oh man, he just signed somewhere else after they waived him. And he may go on to have a great season. But this is the thing. You try to catch your gems and try to have them work out for you. But in baseball, there's so many guys who are on the cusp who we either have on the top 100 prospect list or... A guy just has a great minor league career for two to three years, and he's the next star of another team. Baseball is so funny. It comes at you so quick, and in the blink of an eye, it could all change, good or bad. And we've seen that Mm -hmm. over the course of so many prospects uh, coming into the league that flame out after a year or two. And that being said, I love the Blue Jays. I love what they're going to do. If you had to put your GM hat on, lockout ends, there's a bajillion free agents out there. Who do you bring in based on the core that you already have established that you think helps them make the next step to the postseason and potentially winning a World Series title? Wow. You know, there's no doubt the Jays could use some help at third base. And they keep bringing up the name Josh Donaldson. And I've thought long and hard about this because, I mean, uh, a veteran guy who still has probably some some good seasons left in him and can play offense, can play defense, you know. Sure, he's a veteran guy, can help a team, yes. But, But there is a certain chemistry within that group of players. And I don't see Josh Donaldson fitting in with that particular group of players. And quite honestly, I, I don't think Shapiro and Atkins have any desire of bringing back someone that they've already said, we don't want you anymore. I, I mean, listen, it's not uncommon for teams to bring players back that, that had left, but you haven't, I can't recall anybody that was from the Alex Anthopoulos organization that left the Blue Jays has been brought back by this group. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So From, Even Liam Hendricks. They had that chance. Yeah. Uh, Liam was – I spoke to Liam about this a number of times, and he really wanted to come back to the Jays. He really, really wanted to come back. But they didn't have enough interest in him. You know? And, then and you, uh, look, what, look what's happened with Liam Hendricks. Just a world beater. Absolute world yeah. beater. Josh Donaldson's interesting. I, I like that from a – on the field, yeah. Just like you plug his numbers in, and you're like, "This is the guy yeah. who's gonna yeah. help propel sure. that team." But crap, you, you know, put it, you hit him six in the lineup yeah. in this lineup, right? And and this is where your experience of getting to talk to you know players, returning players, 
your podcast. You get to develop all of these relationships with these ball players. So I want to ask you before we we wrap things up, who was your favorite person to speak to? And who was the person that if you had the opportunity to talk to them again, you would pass? Ooh. I'm trying to okay. make that as polite as possible. Yeah. There are, <laughs> I tell you what, the list of my favorite people to talk to is endless. Um, as far as just a, the nicest, most sincere, genuine human being I've ever had a chance to talk to would be Devin Travis. Okay. You're not going to find a, a nicer. Okay. He is, he is like pinball Clemens, okay. that kind of nice, like yeah. that kind of nice. Uh, as far as having fun, uh, be a genie and, and, uh, and Kawasaki were my favorites <laughs> from that standpoint. I mean, my God, <laughs> you know, both of them were just, just incredible. If I wanted to have a real deep conversation, I wanted to hear someone with intellect, uh, Chris Colabello. I, I can listen yeah. to that guy talk all day. So there definitely are a lot of favorites. Um, as far as the, the ones I'd lot, not want to talk to again. And it's so funny because uh, I had a chance to work with this guy uh, later on after he retired. But when I was just getting into the industry, he was still pitching. And he was one of the biggest a-holes I ever had to deal with. And it's Jack Morris. Okay, interesting. And then Jack and Jack was working at sports. We were working together. Once we to you know get along and we you know have a drink there and stuff. And I said to him, I said, Jack, I got to tell you something. When you were a Blue Jay, I was just breaking the business, and and you scared the shit out of me. And he looks at me, he goes, You know what, Barry? It's a good thing you didn't know me in Detroit because I was an asshole then. <laughs> <laughs> so jack but yeah he, he 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 could have like I, I will tell you that this is a, a cool story too and you mentioned about fantasy so i was a fantasy i was into fantasy baseball back before i got into the industry and then i started working and i was still in this fantasy league and now all of a sudden i'm working at the fan it's 1993 and I'm covering a game, and the guy pitching that day was a pitcher by the name of Chris Bazio. Okay. And I had him in my fantasy league, <laughs> and he pitched a gem that day. And I, being the young punk I was, and I, you know, interviewing him after the game with the rest of the media, and I made some mention of, like, hey, by the way, thank you. You gave me a lot of fantasy points today. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, I don't give a shit about your, and he was just, and I'm like, I'd never want to speak to Chris Bazio again. That's why they say never beat your heroes, right? That's always, right. Always I will tell you one more. I, I, and as a Red Sox fan, you'll appreciate this. And I will tell you that after this incident, uh, he was always very gracious with his time. And I really, really got to like this guy personally, but it was probably around 2008 ALCS. And uh, I'm covering it for Sportsnet. And Dustin Pedroia is walking off the field. And I said, hey, Dustin, do you have a minute? And he looked at me and goes, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> and I just went, you? Like, 
I'm good, thanks. I didn't ask you how you were doing. I said, do you have a minute? I'm good, thanks. And I was like, I don't like this guy. But yeah. from that point on, I, I ended up getting a chance to, because the Jays were with Boston so many times that you'd see the all the time. Yeah. And he ended up being a really good guy to talk to, a great interview. Yeah, PD had uh, he had a lot of clashes with the media. I mean, most famously, you know, he talked about there was one time he was being asked after a game uh, about David Ortiz's struggles. Talked about you know is he ever going to be able to like hit again? Are you worried? He's like I'm not worried. Laser show, and it became this huge thing with Red Sox Nation. The, all of the fans loved it. They started getting T-shirts. They uh, made this is right around. He was the uh, cover athlete for MLB The Show, and the Laser Show became like this huge thing. This it would have been a, a viral clip in in today's uh, in today's age. But I loved Petey, undersized guy. You know, gave everything he got. Literally gave his body up for baseball. Yep. And I just never gave it back to him the same way that he loved the game. I'll tell you uh, what, Blue Jay, fan, Blue Jay fans will always say, I hate Dustin Pedroia, but I tell you what, if he was a Blue Jay, they would love him. See, I never, I never looked at him. Like I have this way of being able to separate myself from being a Jays fan. Cause I am a Blue Jays fan. And right. you know, if, if you saw my reaction to Jose Bautista's bat flip home run, you know that that was every bit of a Blue Jay fan in me. But I'm also able in some ways to separate it, whereas I can look at a player or a team and go, man, they're really good, or I really like that player, even though he's not playing for my team, right? So I've always loved Dustin Pedroia as, as a ball player, even though he killed me, you know, as a Blue Jays fan many times, right? That, that's that's interesting. And now you, you brought you sparked something in my mind. I want to ask you. So you talked about being able to separate your fandom – and you know, bring in you know, appreciate good players on other teams. As a Blue Jay fan, mm-hmm. who is the one player that played on another team that rivaled the Blue Jays? Maybe a, a hated player on another team that you would have loved to have seen played for the Blue Jays. Taking out Dustin Pedroia, George Brett. George Brett. Oh, man. Okay. He was just such a great player. And I always thought, oh, if he was our third baseman, we had George Brett on this team, you know, uh, him, Kirby Puckett. Oh, okay. I love watch Kirby Puckett. <laughs> it's like, man, he, he imagine him scaling the wall at Rogers Center, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it, we wouldn't be talking about Kevin Pillar. We'd be talking about Kirby Puckett 2.0. Right, like it wouldn't be Kevin Pillar wouldn't be the guy. He'd be talking about, oh, he reminds us of this guy who was doing yep. this stuff way before Kevin Pillar. All right, now flip it a little bit. Who is the most hated player on another team that you could never, ever, ever see as a Toronto Blue Jay? I have one guy uh, in mind that I want to see if I'll give you a hint. He plays for the New York Yankees. <laughs> He's getting rather old. He hits 120 until he faces the Toronto Blue Jays, then ends up breaking their hearts. Any guesses who I'm talking about? I would have said uh, J-Lo's ex-partner. 
I mean, that's that's the player I had in my mind. I was like, who's like the most hated guy that even despite the skill, you wouldn't want to have? Because David, Or- David Ortiz on the Blue Jays, they'd love that. Poppy would be a huge fan favorite. Manny Ramirez during that time, huge fan favorite. They would have been okay. A-Rod just never would have got accepted by Toronto Blue Jay fans, ever. So a couple of years ago, we had uh, former uh, Jays pitcher uh, Josh Towers on the show. And Josh Towers was <laughs> part of the the whole A-Rod incident. Yep. Uh, when, when A-Rod yelled, mine. Okay. And then they became teammates in New York. Right. And we asked Josh Towers about him. And if you, any of your viewers, listeners haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It's on Out of the Park. And uh, – he absolutely destroys a rod as a person. He refers to him as one of the, he is the worst human being I've ever met and just goes into what a terrible person Alex Rodriguez is. I listen, if, if you guys haven't checked out this episode or any episodes, make sure that you give out of the park podcast a listen. You're going to get amazing uh, interviews, insight, shared by Barry Davis and his amazing guests. You can check it out. You can even join the Patreon because Barry Davis has got a Patreon. There you go. Nice plug. Uh, associated with Out of the Park. And then to wrap us up, um, obviously, Out of the Park podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. You can find it there. But if people want to come and see one of the amazing, legendary oh, tribute bands that like you are a part of where yes. can they find tickets? Where can they see when your shows are playing? Where can they get all of that amazing information? So if you follow me on Twitter at Barry Davis underscore, I always update what's going on with my music, uh, Facebook as well. You can hit me up. Uh, I'll, I'll let you follow me or whatever. I'll friend you on Facebook and, uh, my bands all have Facebook pages. Uh, we ain't petty band. Uh, I think the other one is called, uh, uh, driven cars tribute and then there's nowhere men so all three of those bands have their own facebook pages and you can check us out and if you're uh in the east end of toronto uh nowhere men will be there on december the 23rd uh january the 8th we ain't petty is playing at the Lindsmore. i didn't say the place but it's the Lindsmore on the danforth uh december 23rd for nowhere men january 8th for we ain't petty february 5th driven will be playing there so Check it out. Please do so. We'll make sure we link all of the social media accounts on the bottom as we do every single episode. Barry Davis, thank you so much for being gracious with your time and joining me to talk and have some fun and share some great insight and stories from your time as a Blue Jays field reporter, as well as explaining to me the difference between a cover band and a tribute band. I will never make that mistake. Again, uh, the Big O Podcast and the Out of the Park Podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure you go on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, five-star rating. We always appreciate those. Uh, for You can go onto the YouTube, find the Big O Podcast, hit subscribe, like the videos to stay up to date with all future drops. For my guest, Barry Davis, I am your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great day, everybody.